Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm trying to place a lighthouse and I can't figure out where I want it. I'm Samanda Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. How are y'all doing? Another glorious week where time has no meaning. I feel like it's it's the time compression, like at the end of Final Fantasy VIII, and now (laughs) all time has collapsed on itself, and I see Ultimisha in the past, (laughs) and I'm going to stop the whole coronavirus forever happening by teaming up with with, uh, Cypher and Squall. Incredible. I wish you well. Uh, Christina, I think I know the question on all of our minds. Did you get the rose gold controller that was on sale at GameSpot? <laughs> GameStop today. Uh, oh, no, I didn't because I already had it. I, I bought it oh. um, in November, so I already had it. I was already good. Like, oh, good. I, okay. I, I, so, but but what was amazing is that genuinely, I had so many people all over the internet, not just YouTube people, like uh, you know, coworkers, other people, like being like, "Have you seen this? Have you seen this?" And I was like, "Oh." I, I love nothing more than knowing that even though it's no longer a thing for anyone else, that my my rose gold association is still so strong. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, Rocket listeners, you cannot take advantage of this deal. It is a daily deal. But hey, if you're in the past right now, um, which we might be, who knows how time works anymore, you could buy the rose gold <laughs> controller, PS4 controller on sale at GameStop. Uh, Our other news to touch off the show is that Twitter user and Rocket listener CS made a Rocket logo custom design in Animal Crossing. And it Ah, rules. It's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's the best. Genuinely. It's so good. It's like spot on. Um, And there is, I put a link in the show notes. There's a QR code to download it so you could put it wherever you want in Animal Crossing. And yeah, thank you so much for doing that. It's so good really means the world to us. It really does. Genuinely. Thank you so much for doing that. That's so awesome. Oh, my goodness. We have a couple topics today. It's kind of, at the moment, a slow news week. And I say that fully knocking on wood, knowing that it is Tuesday and anything could happen on Wednesday. But (laughs) literally anything, who knows? (laughs) In this economy? I don't know. However, we do have some good topics for you. We're going to be talking magic keyboard reviews. We're going to be talking about Peloton and the delayed release of HBO Max. And we'll have a little uh, check-in with this latest season of Westworld. But, of course, heading up the show are, are not our reviews, but reviews. Reviews of the Apple Magic Keyboard that finally came out. Uh, review units have arrived. Our own. Uh, Brianna ordered it, but that is not here yet. So we'll have hands on probably It'll be next here week. Two days from now. Two Very days. frustrating. But Arr. we'll have our we'll have our pre-review that is based on other people's impressions, and then we'll have our special Brianna Woo review. <laughs> Woo. Can I just Woo-view. say, I'm, I'm so, like, I realize the iPad, like, it has a really great use case, but as we're all stuck at home right now, it's like, the whole advantage of the iPad Pro is it's, you know, like, I have the cellular model, so you can throw it right, in a purse same. and take it with you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why the hell would I use this and not my laptop right, right. now? Like, <laughs> I'm in the same scenario, like, I actually, you know, that's a good point. I, I should look and see if it's possible for me to suspend or cancel my... LTE service because it is kind of stupid to be paying um, whatever it is I pay for the LTE on my iPad Pro when 
yeah, I'm How not going just anywhere. Your data plan in general. When's the last time you weren't on Wi-Fi? Oh my I don't god, even you're anymore. right. Oh my god. Oh yeah, my you are god. right. <laughs> okay, well, those grim thoughts aside, the initial reviews of the new Magic Keyboard are quite good. Uh, John Gruber wrote on Daring Fireball that once he let go of his expectations that his iPad would turn into a MacBook, he loved the keyboard. Uh, he especially highlighted that the 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 hinge and the magnets are incredibly uh, stiff and strong, respectively. Uh, powerful, powerful magnets, because predictably it has to hold aloft an entire iPad Pro, uh, which is not exactly a feather light uh, piece of hardware. He also wrote that apparently, and I would not do this, I would not do this, but you can pick it up by the keyboard. These are This is how strong the magnets are. You can pick it up by the keyboard part, shake it, and it will stay attached, and it, the, also the angle of it will not change, and you can just hold it upside down by the keyboard, and the iPad will not fall off. Um, so if you care to try that at home, A, you didn't hear it from me, but you could. <laughs> but, but yeah. Very strong hinge, very strong magnets. Uh, the scissor switch keyboard is back with this one. It has a like a, a backlight, and a, I listened to it in the Verge review. They played the keyboard sounds. A very nice, dull, plasticky, clicky sound. Um, and as far as the hardware goes, it is apparently great. As far as some of the software goes, that's where some of the pitfalls are being reported. Uh, in the Verge interview, they mentioned Google Docs, notably, just has not really updated itself for that touchpad integration yet. So it's kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, what what have you guys read about it? Well, I think there's a lot to be... Well, let's start with the downsides and then we'll go with the upsides. Um, the, some other things I've noted is it's very, very top-heavy. Uh, yep. If you have like a MacBook Air, um, you know, most of the weight of it is the process, the logic board rather, and the battery, which is in the base of it. The The screen is relatively light. This is very, 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 very top-heavy. So it's not quite as lappable as, say, a laptop would be. It always kind of, um, according to reviewers, feels like it's going to tip over. Yep. Um, that's a problem. It adds a ton of weight to a device where the reason I like is because I can throw it in a purse and just carry it with me anywhere I go. Um, this actually weighs about as equally as much as the iPad itself which isn't great. There's also no function row of keys. If you think about how much we've complained on this show about the touch bar, imagine just not having function keys or a touch bar to adjust volume, um, you know, uh, do all these different things. It's just suboptimal. So there are a lot of trade-offs with it. What the reviews seem to say is very, very good is uh, in the OS itself and Apple apps, uh, iPad touch support seems to be very, very good. The touching, the typing experience itself seems to be good. And um, overall, it seems to be really, really solidly made. So um, I'm excited about this. I mean, how do you feel, Christina? Yeah, I mean, there. I have a few thoughts. One, I agree with you. I think I'm, I'm excited that this has finally happened. I think that it's interesting. And I think that it's interesting that this device is coming out now when the software feature was kind of, you know, an add-on and, and kind of a later stage iOS 13 release, right? Where it, it seems to me like iOS 14, whenever that comes out, is going to be something that is going to have a lot more 
of, um, you know, uh, be more refined and, and have more of this sort of support in it, if that makes any sense. So it's interesting that this was, you know, a, a late kind of spring release for something when, you know, uh, in, in normal circumstances in just a few months, we would be having beta versions of, um, you know, the next version of iOS and, and it would be out in September. So I think that's sort of interesting that this is in some ways kind of coming out ahead of the, the software um, side of it. The other thing is, um, yeah, to your point, in terms of the portability, it's really not. Uh, John Gruber uh, spent a lot of time in his review kind of talking about how this is really a stand for a keyboard rather than, you know, um, a, a keyboard case. And that is an interesting thing to think about because it does change, you know, kind of the perception of of how you use this. Because to your point, Brie, as you were saying, you know, um, it weighs almost as much as the as the iPad itself. When you actually um, add things up, the 13-inch the um, uh, iPad um, Pro or, or, or 12-inch, 12.9-inch, whatever um, the size is, that plus the Magic uh, Keyboard together is more, weight weighs more than a MacBook Pro does. So you totally do lose some of that portability. Uh, the iPad, you know... Um, I kind of want to push back on that because I mean, we've been talking about this as something that potentially makes your iPad akin to, if not equivalent to, a MacBook. And you don't carry your MacBook around in your purse. And also, you're not losing portability because you can remove the iPad from the keyboard. Well, fair enough. I, I think it's just more about the sense that one of the benefits of the iPad is that it can kind of go anywhere. The downside is that if you want to have this particular accessory, that's a less portable thing. And I think that this becomes more of a kind of an idea where it's almost like, you know, Federico um, uh, at uh, Mac Stories was kind of talking about the idea where he still is picking up and, and taking his iPad kind of from place to place. He's, you know, it's not docked all the time like it might be with some of the bridged things. He can still be, um, you know, wor- working on his iPad. But this is a, a thing that you just kind of drop it on this, this stand, you know, so to speak, and, and then you can start typing on it, which is which is interesting. It's just a little bit of a different take of portability, right? It's like one of those things. It's like if you were going on um, a, a business trip or something where you knew you, were, you might need to write a lot, you would take it with you. But if it's just something where you know that there's one specific place where you tend to to do that type of work. You would leave the um, you know the keyboard in, in that area. So, or you would bring it in a laptop bag. Yeah, I mean, you you could for sure. You could bring it in a, in a laptop bag for sure. Um, but but I do think that it is notable that this does add. You know, it does get it does, you know, it does get rid of some of the things that makes that they that Apple even has heralded. You know, the iPad um, for for being so successful. I'm not bothered by the lack of the the function keys. Um, I think I, I would need to see it, obviously, and, and use it. That makes sense to me since this is still like a touch-first kind of operating system. But um, what does annoy no, me... I don't agree with that. I mean, if it's the Pro, this is the iPad Pro, right? And yeah. I mean, I... I, I understand in a MacBook if I'm making sacrifices. I understand in an iPad if I'm making sacrifices. I just kind of feel if I'm paying, and I am, $300 for a freaking keyboard. Well, this is what I was going to Yeah. Right, I was so, going to say, yeah. I mean, that, that, that I can understand. I'm just saying from like a, from a UX standpoint, I don't know if it makes sense to have function keys in iPad OS. 
um, when when they've used kind of the the touch screen kind of control center for that. Having said that, what does frustrate me is the fact that the USB um, uh, port can't be used for anything. Like that's kind of annoying, you know. That's like too you bad. Spend, you spend three hundred dollars on this thing, and okay, yeah, it can charge your iPad or, or or your iPad can charge it, but it can't be used as anything. Um, you know, and it's like okay, no, you should be able to use this as some sort of pass through or something else. I mean, you know, what's the point of having USB C if you're not doing some other stuff with it. So that's to me, I'm kind of like, okay, you're, it's either $300 or $350. This is not a, a, a cheap thing. What's, that, that's, the, that's kind of the big elephant in the room. This is why I'm really looking forward to your perspective, Brie, because I, I, I'm trying to kind of, in my mind, kind of envision circumstances where I would need something this badly that I would spend $300 on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's... <sighs> I mean, Apple has tried to ship these keyboards that are kind of half measures, right? Right. Like the 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 last, I think we can all agree the last two keyboards for the iPad have not been successful. And, you know, I had my uh, the New York Times piece I did uh, last year. I ran out of time for it. My computer was literally dead that day. And I had to <laughs> write that thing on the iPad. It was a terrible experience. Uh, researching it was terrible. Typing it was terrible. It wasn't as good a piece as it could have been right. because of that. And it was, so it's, it's like for me, I, and I know people like Frederica, they can, they can see past the, the faults on it. I just can't. And I just, I feel like I've spent, uh, my God, how much was this thing? It was $1,200 cause it's a cellular model. And I mm-hmm. think I got 256 in it. Yep, it's a same. pro machine and I, I use it. It, I use it all the time, and I just I feel like it's worth it to me to have something I can actually type emails on, yeah, or no. write something, right? I guess I'm just confused about what about it is different from what we expected it to be, besides the USB pass through. Not, I don't think we ever talked about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it really is, except that it's a native solution. It has a native trackpad. I mean, the only thing to me, and, and the only reason that I've held off at all, not just, well, there are a couple of reasons. One, the expense is, is a big one. The other thing is, you know, I'm perfectly satisfied, at least for my use case. I understand that other people have different use cases, but I'm okay for my use case pairing a normal Bluetooth keyboard, and also now I can pair a trackpad. Um, so I'm okay with with doing that, you know, um, and and because I have a, a magic trackpad um, too for my iMac, and I have you know number of wireless keyboards, so I'm okay with that. But I totally do understand why there is there's going to be a whole like cottage industry around this now. Um, I, I think that Apple obviously is going to be the best benefit. To do some of the integration stuff. But to your point, Brie, I mean, this is an opportunity that if people did want to do function keys you know, and have an escape button, things like that, that they could do it. The the, the big challenge, I think, is going to be on the, the trackpad, which, interestingly, didn't get as much, like, I, I felt like the reviews and things I read really didn't focus on that as much as I was kind of expecting them to. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was kind of a known quantity, though, right? Like, um, I haven't seen anyone say otherwise. I'm assuming they're kind of bringing this over from the uh, the accessibility hack that a lot of people have been using. Well, no, no, it's officially supported now. Like, like the, the last um, um, iPad OS release supports, like you can use like the Magic Trackpad with it. Uh, I, I just mean more as like Bridge released a keyboard that oh, the big right, the right. big criticism was that the trackpad was terrible, and and this one everybody's saying it's good, but I don't know. I think we're all still trying to get used to a world where you use a trackpad with an iPad. Um, <laughs> but 
what I do think was interesting, uh, and yes, disclosure, I do work at Microsoft, but I do think it's interesting, you know, Dieter kind of like uh, talked a little bit about the surface um, at the end of his, um, you know, video. And it is sort of interesting, right? In in that this case, if you, you look at these two devices, you look at the Surface or even the Surface Go, and then you look at the iPad Pro with the, with this, uh, you know, keyboard and, there's like they look like the same type of device, but they're still yeah. very different devices. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to, I guess, hear maybe a more in-depth comparison between them once uh, more people get this in their hot little hands. So you can look forward to some more thoughts on that next week when Brianna gets to try it. Let's take a brief segue into Peloton land. Uh, so somehow, I don't know how they manage this, but Peloton Studios, perhaps irresponsibly, I'll say irresponsibly, managed to stay yeah. open until April 3rd, shooting new classes on a closed set. Uh, they closed briefly after an employee contracted COVID-19, as one does. Uh, but Peloton has resumed classes with uh, remote live workouts streamed from employees' homes. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Is it so weird? A, yeah. Tell I me mean, about it. Well, well, it's kind of post-apocalyptic, right? Because at first, when we all went into lockdown, I'm at home and I'm like, I'm going to start my Peloton. And it's just business as usual. People in the classes. And you're like, oh, that's unsafe. And then <laughs> you slowly notice that all the instructors are in their classes by themselves. And it's creepy, right? Like you've got <laughs> these giant sets and they're just filled with nothing, right? Like you see the in the reflection behind the instructors, like all these empty, uh, all these empty things, and they're just talking to themselves, and it's creepy. And today, I booted up my Peloton, and they've got you know it's perfectly photoshopped and marketed, but it's like you know. And now you'll be able to, you've made the commitment to stay home, and you'll be. And our trainers have made the same commitment, and then you see the inside of their home, and you're like. Peloton's not paying these people enough. Oh, no. Like it's 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 just weird and depressing. I I don't know. Um, I mean, it's obviously the right call. Um, Is but, it time yeah, for Peloton workers to unionize? I I think so. Well, yeah. probably. Like, well, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, probably, but at the same time, I think most of them are independent contractors and in a normal situation might actually prefer to be independent contractors. So that makes any sense. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Because if you're, if you're a fitness, if you're a trainer and you can charge like a lot of money an hour with private clients, you might not want to have an exclusive relationship with Peloton. That's true. Yeah. I can say, I mean, some of them like Hannah Marie Corbin or swear to God stars. And yeah, the weirdest part of Peloton is if you're on the Facebook group, it is bizarrely right wing, just bizarrely. It is so crazily right wing. That's like interesting. You... So my my um good friend and coworker Juliet is the biggest Peloton fangirl. In fact, she's such a big fangirl that um I tweeted uh like her code or whatever that I guess people could save things on, and she wound up getting so many like referrals that she bought me some um uh Peloton swag from the from their store. So like <laughs> I have like I have like a, a cute hoodie. Uh, which is great, but and and she's she got Prashant, our, our our old boss, um, who has the Guinness World Record for most Soul Cycle classes attended, and 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 got married at Soul Cycle. Like he, his is coming this week, and and she loves it, and she's certainly not um, right wing at all, but she does live in Orange County. Uh, 
So right. that's not her that's fault. That's what I'm saying. In in the like Bex Gentry, she does one of the the running classes, and like she's on there, and it's bizarre because you're running at like ten miles an hour, and she's like, "Yeah, I just want to let you know today's the transgender day of visibility, and every life out there deserves affirmation." I'm like, "Well, this is not what I expected on my run, but okay, this is great." Um, so that's the instructors, and then you go on the Peloton official message board, and it's like. Coronavirus is an SJW plot. Oh my God. Trump 2020 is going to take over. And like, how do you like my Peloton setup? It's got like cardboard cuts out of Trump in the back. And oh, it's just like, no. I, it's crazy. It is bizarre. <laughs> I think that this is an indictment of the wealthy. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I was going to say, I mean, some of this seems, I, and, and look, I'm, I, I I could be one of these people if I just had a little bit more room and, and didn't like toys as much, frankly. Um, but I do think that it is, yeah, it, it, it's not so much an indictment of the wealthy. I mean, yeah, it is, but it's like it's an indictment. It, but, yeah. but yeah, but it's like the, there's a certain <laughs> there's a certain like group of people who can afford a ridiculously overpriced um, bike that comes with us with its own subscription plan, and <laughs> those people tend to like to pay less less on their taxes. I think you know? there's also another part of this that we need to cover. And I, I can't remember if we brought this up uh, since it happened, but it is time to revisit it. We all should apologize for making fun of the Peloton commercial. <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally now everyone should. needs one of these stupid bikes in their home. I love mine. <laughs> I'm so happy. I mean, well, so it's funny. I almost bought one for my parents um, it, because the the backlash when the commercial was so great. And I was like, okay, it's a bad commercial, but, and I, I really wanted my parents to to get one. And then, but they, they would want it to be whatever the type is, uh, the bike that can be good for your knees. And, and it doesn't oh, yeah. have that, that kind of support. And they're like, we won't use it. And now I'm like, well, shoot, I should have got it for you for christmas because you, you'd be using there's it. no more exercise <laughs> um but but yeah i mean you're, you're right i mean we all made fun of it for for a valid reason but now like who who's the last one laughing right it's like peloton like their ipo did not go well and a lot of people were really concerned that they were going to be you know like hit hard and it's like uh, this was before covid and, and now it's like oh actually oh if you're in the classes there are like three times as many people in oh, there really? these days it's crazy but are they still shipping the bikes right now like are are they they yes. don't have enough no yeah but they're they're back order like Prashant won't get his until um sometime this week um and and he ordered it like a couple weeks ago Mm, yeah, yeah was a- I, I do have to push back. I mean, Simone, I agree with what you're saying to a point about the Peloton being expensive. It is. But it's also a very, very, very well-made exercise bike. It was, like, it was me. As, it was Christina who said that. Oh, uh, okay, I, sorry, I, I, sorry. I don't want to blame Simone necessarily. No, no, no. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's a popular way to feel. It's, it's like their tread is $4,000. Yes. And I say this as someone who has like my treadmill is a $15,000 treadmill I got when the economy was crashing in 2008 for about $1,500, I believe. And I love that thing. Um, like it's, it's, 
it's the tread is probably worth about three thousand, and it's four thousand with a good service plan, which is arguable. The bike, just quality wise, is absolutely worth two thousand dollars. Like mm-hmm. it is a fantastic piece of equipment. Yeah, and, so, and I, I don't doubt that. I just my 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 big thing with it, and this is why I don't have one, is that it's not that it's two thousand dollars. It's like twenty two hundred once you get the accessories and taxes and other stuff in, and then you have to have like the setup, and then you have to have like the forty dollar a month subscription. Whereas if I built my own, like hacked my own together, it might not be the same quality, but I could still get a very, very nice bike. Oh yeah. I wouldn't be able to do the live classes, but jokes on everyone's not, they're not doing live (laughs) classes. And I I could, I could subscribe using my iPad for like $20 a month, you know, so it'd be like less expensive for for me to do that. I I will say this because my friend Ashley has the, the tread I'm sure that's a nice piece of equipment. That is for four thousand dollars. I mean, it's got a, a giant twenty-seven inch like iMac, like a, a twenty-five sixty by fourteen forty um, panel on it. It is ridiculously sized, and like you do, kind of feel immersed. But no, I, I there there's nothing to me like the the bike. I can kind of get behind. Um, I guess maybe the experience, the treadmill. I I really I can't. See, it's not the screen for the treadmill. It's the it's the quality of the and the and, belt. I under, and I understand yeah, that it's, it, it's just a, it's. I'd have to get really technical. Yeah, no, I understand that. So, no, no, yeah. I understand that. Th- this is my issue, though. One of the big reasons you buy these things are for the screens and are for those smart um, capabilities. Those aren't going to last forever. And when things don't get updated, I mean, Peloton went through this where where people had to you know pay a certain amount of money to upgrade. They've already had kind of had obsoleting issues. Like this is my thing. I'm like, if I pay that, like you paid, you bought that fifteen hundred dollar um, treadmill a decade ago, and it was like fifteen thousand dollars, and it's dumb, and it'll continue to work, and it still has the really good belt and whatnot. If the the Peloton one, if it stops getting software updates and doing other stuff, then it is dead like you can't do anything with it and that fundamentally you could use it as a conventional bike but um, well, i'm talking about yeah, the you, yeah you're you're not wrong you're not i i do have to say with the 40 dollars of classes the one thing i think is really in peloton's favor right now is when it first started and i got the bike i was like 40 dollars a month for some biking classes that is stupid as hell but today, if you're paying that $40 a month, it's not just biking. It is running classes on the treadmill. It is yoga. It is strength training. It is stretches. It is meditation. Like literally any kind of fitness you can do at home, they have awesome, really high quality classes. And I think right now in the middle of COVID, this is the best kind of gym you could possibly have, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense to me. And I guess I would also say staying at a five-star hotel is a quality experience but that doesn't necessarily mean that (laughs) it is accessible to everyone if that makes sense yep Uh, i I think that applies to peloton as well like yes it is a quality product but it is inaccessible to probably like most people most people The, the, the thing i will actually give them the one thing i will actually say to credit them is that you can if you have you know the non bikes and other stuff you can subscribe and you can even share the subscription with a number of people for yep. less than what they charge the um the people who own the um devices and you can just do the on demand classes so that from a workout perspective if, if you do have any sort of you know like a spin bike or or something else is at least an option so but you're right i mean i think the whole the whole thing is that and 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 also in peloton's defense they've never 
pretended to be anything other than what they are, which yeah. is, you know, a, a product uh, for the for the wealthy or the aspirationally wealthy who, um, uh, you know, don't have the time um, or uh, the ability to do the, the private equinox, you know, a soul cycle, whatever workouts that they would like to do and, and need to do it, you know, on their own terms and do it from home. Let's move on to our next topic, which is HBO Max, <laughs> which has been delayed to May 27th. So HBO Max is, of course, the $15 a month subscription service from Warner Media, which is where Friends and the Big Bang Theory are destined to live after Friends' tragic removal from Netflix, um, along with all of HBO's catalog um, and movies from Warner Brothers, such as a Star is Born, Casablanca. <laughs> it's actually a surprisingly cool mix of movies. Like A Star Citizen is Kane? Born, the, the latest one, Crazy Rich Asians, Joker, okay, Casablanca, The Wizard of Oz, and Citizen Kane. So, you know, Warner Brothers has been around a long time. That's a lot yep. of movies. Um, as well as TV shows and somehow new original series that they are making, um, mm-hmm. which is exhausting to me. Um, however, anyway, delayed to May 27th. Uh, which will make HBO Max, I think this hasn't changed, the last of the big media companies, or sorry, Warner Media, the last of the big media companies to launch a proprietary streaming platform after NBC Universal's Peacock, which launched on April 6th. Peacock is like in private, so it, it remains to be seen like who's going to be more public first, right? Because like yeah. Peacock is still only available to select people, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm so happy you were here this week, Christina, because I I read all this news a ton and I scratched my head and I swear to God, do not understand all the differences in HBO Go, HBO Now, and HBO Max. I don't yes, understand no, why. I'm and the and, third and one. <laughs> it, it is a very, very good thing to be confused about. And 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 it's interesting because this is fifteen dollars a month, like Simone said. So it is the most expensive of any of the services. The big reason that it can do that, frankly, is is HBO. So if you are an HBO Now subscriber and you subscribe directly through HBO, meaning you don't do it through Apple, you don't do it through like, um, you know, like your 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 wireless carrier or as an add-on, you know, to, to like Amazon channels do. or something <laughs> like that. Well, no, that's actually different. If you subscribe to HBO Now. Oh, yeah, HBO is, Now. Sorry, think about HBO Go. Exactly. Never mind. Yeah, if you subscribe to HBO Now, Directly through um, uh, HBO, through 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 Warner Media, AT and T, whatever, you will automatically be upgraded to um, HBO Max. So they're just going to kind of do a, a seamless replacement. If you subscribe through another venue, I don't know what the process will be like with, with Apple. If you have to like cancel your subscription and then resubscribe through HBO Max, like how that you know and how that process will be. The where it gets more complicated is that if you're someone like me who actually pays for cable. Um, and, uh, although it's something that I am questioning more and more <laughs> as this goes on, um, and like I pay, you know, I'm, I'm sure I pay $15 a month by the time all the taxes and things are, are there. I'm sure the Comcast gets at, at least they line item me for $15 a month for HBO. So I get access to HBO go, which, um, will allow me and Simone um, to uh, watch things, you know, like on demand or, or or live from our iPads or whatever. But I can also watch things like on broadcast TV live, um, like through my cable box. It is not clear for the major cable providers how the HBO um, Max 
thing will work. They've announced that I think with Charter that some of those the Charter um, subscribers will get like a year free, and if you are an AT and T um, a, a cable subscriber or you have like some of their high end like uh, wireless plans or whatever, then you'll get a year free. And and I guess they'll make that work, but it's not real clear if there's going to be a path to say, hey, you pay Comcast, you know, so you can get this over your cable box. We're going to also let you have the other content for free or if they're going to be like, actually, we want you to pay a little bit more so that you can access this original content as well as this catalog content of other stuff. So that's unclear to me. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we've got, you know, um, uh, about a month before we... Uh, you know, before that gets figured out. But, um, but yeah, it's interesting. So, so Peacock, uh, will launch in July. Um, but this is the last of, yeah, the big ones because we've, we've had a uh, Disney and, and, um, you know, NBC universal, uh, has Peacock. This is Warner media's. Um, and, uh, I guess, yeah. Um, but what's the damn point? I don't get it. What? I Why? see kind of two, two benefits for, not consumers, but for for companies like Warner Media, I guess I see yes. the appeal of not having to deal with cable companies anymore and just yes, like get absolutely. the subscribers yourself. But then I also yes. see the potential downside of now that everyone and their mom does have their own proprietary streaming service. Yes, cable yeah, becomes the Netflix stay. of your where it's like, oh, I could get all of these different shows from different places with one bundle. <laughs> Uh, no, you're right. You're right. It, it's funny. In in some ways, like if Comcast, who uh, you know, own, does Peacock, and and if the other cable companies, and this is where is a conflict because AT and T does have their own kind of you know cable you know service and whatnot, and 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 you know AT and T now or whatever, and like if they actually wanted to be competitive, there would be a way where you could say, hey, you can have the on demand content, you can have access to these wider libraries through this service where, yeah, you get everything. You don't have to go to Tubi and you don't have to go to, you know, Pluto and all these other places. You can just actually go through channels and also get this other stuff. But they're not doing that. So um, uh, I don't know. To to your point, um, Brie, like, why are they doing this? I mean, this is very clearly, this is like, this is a a Warner Media. That's what the the company is called now. It's it's not, you know, Warner Brothers anymore. it's not Time Warner anymore. Like it's, um, or I guess it's still Warner Brothers, but it's not Time Warner anymore. This is an AT and T decision. This is probably a big reason why AT and T spent, um, you know, forty seven billion dollars or whatever it was to to buy Time oh um, God, to to, so to, to buy money. Time Warner. I just don't get it. If I'm turning on HBO, I don't want to watch Friends. I want to watch their new porny romance series <laughs> no, with Ron Weasley. You can That's have what it I all. Want to watch. Well, well, this is well, this is the problem. So HBO has long been like the Warner Brothers' like most valuable asset. And in fact, if you looked at profit for a long time, like the majority of their profit and other things were coming from HBO. And it has a great brand cachet. Um, that 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 uh, you know Warner Media that AT and T is is desperately trying to do everything it can to um, you know hurt, but they've recently hired you know uh, Bob Greenblatt and 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 they're still you know uh, greenlighting good shows. It is it was controversial when they made the decision. They're like we're going to use HBO as the brand to do our all encompassing streaming service. But if you think about it, when you look at what Disney has done with, with Disney Plus and the fact that Disney also has Hulu, which they can use for some of the more adult things. Warner Brothers, which has all this amazing catalog content, like literally some of the most, um, you know, uh, Big Bang Theory, that was actually a bidding war. Like that, that was something where, you know, 
a number of different companies were bidding over who would would get that um, because that's one of the last um, you know big long running uh, comedy series and um, the syndication rights uh, you know went for a bajillion dollars and continue to get money in syndication and they had to pay they had to prove that they that the you know AT and T that Warner Brothers would pay more to have that on their own service than what you know um, you know a Hulu or um, a Netflix or, or an Amazon would right Friends. They paid way more, you know, for friends. They had to like basically say, okay, Netflix has offered us all this money. We believe that this is going to be an incentive to bring people in. So they have this great catalog content. The problem is, how do you get people to kind of sign up for that? Especially um, if you don't have like kind of a, it would be confusing. Like I, I see both ways. On the one hand, I think it's ridiculous to call it HBO Max because, like, you, when I hear HBO, I think I want to go watch, um, you know, Westworld. I want to watch, um, you know, Big Little Lies. I want to watch, you know, old episodes of Sex the City. I don't want to watch these originals that are not made by HBO and they don't, yeah. they don't have that not quality HBO. seal. <laughs> they don't have the quality seals. And, and that's not where I want to go to watch Friends or The Big Bang Theory. Having said that, I also understand that it would be really confusing for people to say, okay, we have these two different brands and there is going to be some overlap because a big part of the value, honestly, for the catalog too is the HBO content, right? Like, when you think about the television stuff, there's a lot of great Warner Brothers television content, but the best of that stuff is going to be your HBO programming. So, I don't know. I, I'm I'm with you. It's it's a it's the the naming is terrible, but I do feel like the product itself is compelling, even if we assume that there are that the originals are completely inconsequential. And I'm going to be honest. This is the one case where I feel like, and I would love your you guys' opinions, but I don't think the originals matter at all. I think that the whole value of this oh, definitely is not. The, the, what, what, the same amount of money that you would pay for HBO um, now, you are getting the back catalog content of, of movies and of other um, television shows like Friends and Big Bang Theory and other stuff, and you get all the you know HBO stuff live and, and whatnot. So to me, it's like, that's the value. I don't care anything about your original shows. I totally agree. And the, the movies feel very cohesive to me, especially the uh, catalog Warner Brothers stuff. Um, yeah, because I mean, that's how HBO, HBO already has movies and they're generally quite good. Um, but yeah, and, and I think even even putting Friends and Big Bang Theory with that, ugh, it makes sense to me, even though that's not why I would do the platform. But having non-HBO shows on an HBO platform is, like you said, very strange. Yeah, the magic of HBO has always been, you, do you know that feeling where you're looking for something to watch and you know, back when HBO and you'd watch it over the air and they have a movie on, you go, okay, this is probably going to be worth my time. If it's like a bad horror, a horror movie you've never heard of, you're going to watch it and go, okay, there's something here that's worth doing it. And I feel like I, I worry that if you're adding Big Bang Theory, to HBO, it really cheapens the brand because you're going from something where, generally speaking, most things on HBO have merit and are worth your time to where it's becoming this, you know, homologated um, mass market thing where Friends is. Friends has aged so badly oh, since the I 90s. Oh, I love Friends. I, I, I'm I, sorry. I, I mean, look, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I again, I think this is a risk that they're taking where they're potentially diluting the HBO brand. Having said that, like, I do still feel like it'd be really confusing to people to be like, okay, but we have these two different places that we have to go. You know, like a lot of it lives here, but the other stuff lives here. So, you know, 
they could have called it something completely different and then had the HBO content live within it. They decided not to because of how strong the brand is. We'll see how successful it is. That said, I mean, I think that that Friends um, and Big Bang Theory are going to be big draws for people to maybe keep them invested. You know what I mean? Because what's always been, I mean, Netflix is, is going through this now, but what's always so difficult, and this has always been where HBO for many, 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 many years was so successful, is that they were able to kind of continue to find good programming. And so you would occasionally have lulls where the the shows that be on the air might not be as good, but you would know that, you know, a few months later, something else really good was going to come out or you would trust that, okay, maybe they're having an off season, but they're going to come back on track and they're going to greenlight some really great shows. Um, and, um, you know, I think that's the... Uh, the thing that they they need to kind of that Netflix has to replicate because you don't want people to cancel and the people used to do that all the time people would cancel HBO so like okay after the Sopranos would end they would cancel HBO and then they'd resubscribe when the season would start over again and 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 that's called churn and they don't want that churn to to happen so Netflix fights this too so what they have to do is you have to you have to find ways to keep people incentivized to keep people not to pick up the phone and, and cancel so. One of the ways you do that, frankly, is by going to like kind of your comfort things. That's why Disney Plus is so brilliant, in my opinion, because they have, you know, this back catalog of they have the the vault, you know, of stuff that people will go to. Mm-hmm. But if you have something like Friends, which even if you don't think that it's age well, and even if you never liked it, is one of those shows that people and young people today, like people who were not born when the show went off the air, love <laughs> it. Um, and Big Bang Theory for, you know, the many, many critiques that we can put at it. And, and I say this as somebody who has most of the seasons on like DVD or Blu-ray, even though I hate it, but yet I will watch <laughs> oh it. Oh my God, It's one Christina. of those things. When, when, it, when it came into syndication. You can an example. This is literally. <laughs> no, 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 no. But this is it because well, I would buy them on sale. I'd get them super cheap. But like when it came into syndication, I was like, I hate the Big Bang Theory. It's so ridiculous, whatever. And then we, Grant and I would watch it for like, we would we just watch it obsessively on on, on um, um, TBS. There's something comforting about it, right? So I can see how you could say, okay, if you're trying to prevent people from canceling the service, how do you fill that out when you can't have amazing original content like always coming out? You know, you have to kind of have this balance. And one of the ways you do that is by saying, okay, we're gonna put this stuff where like for for Peacock, it's you know Parks and Rec in the Office. For HBO Max, it is it's a terrible name. It's Friends, you know. For um, you know Netflix, it's um, they have you know uh, they've lost a lot of the the yeah. really you know good Shoot, ones. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean you know that's I mean? why they're making oh, so oh, many oh, originals, oh, right? Oh, oh, Seinfeld. Well, no, well, they, oh, they uh, paid Great British Bake Off too. Yeah, great, great, great British Bake Off, but but also they just paid like a, a j- bajillion dollars to get Seinfeld from Hulu when that expires. You wow. know what I mean? Like yeah. there there are these things that you that you have, and you're like, okay, everything in the world is terrible. I just want to watch X. And yeah, well, actually, that's a great segue because speaking of that, our next topic is, I guess, a mid season review of Westworld. So when you last spoke to us, uh, Westworld had just started. Uh, Brianna enjoyed it very, very much. I did not enjoy it very, very much. And I believe I can tell you today, today, April 21st, 2020, that nothing has changed. Oh, (laughs) I was in the middle and now I'm like, I was going to say I was kind of in the middle. I'm now more on like Simone's side. But but Brianna, let's not take 
sides. Let's well, just I'm not, have I'm not saying sides. I'm just, I just want one day to like have the opinion on something that you do. You both do. Oh my! We goodness. have the same opinions all the time. <laughs> I was gonna say we we have we have the same opinions all the time. But I want to hear you talk about like I want to hear you defend yes, so Westworld. Not defend. I, defend. I no. I want her to express herself free. I want her to speak her her truth and her yeah, love no, no, no. for this show. Okay. So so uh, the, I just Testify. I have to say I really. Simone, you were the one that got me in the West. I never will have watched this ever, ever, ever would have watched this show. Um, so, like, the first season was great. We all agree with that. The second season was either an artistic, like, masterpiece of nonlinear storytelling or a hot mess. And I can see both arguments <laughs> for that. But it was it was certainly something bold. I really loved this season. I really love this season. I love the design work of how the future looks. I love the class uh, undertones of everything they are talking about. I love that this is just... What I really love the most is Dolores, who has this glorious feminist rage, and they write it so carefully where... It's clear, like, the people that have gone and sexually assaulted her and murdered her, and she's just so angry at the inhuman way people have treated her that she's just going to go freaking burn down the entire planet, and she's succeeding at it. And you've got her with this awesome feminist rage, and then you've got Ciroc, who is this unbelievably good villain. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. You've got Maeve over here, who is just like, she's the closest thing we'll ever have to a black female James Bond. She's so awesome and and smooth in everything she does. And I just love these characters. And it's about privacy. It's about selling data. And it's, it's so well acted. And I'm just completely confused why you think it sucks. I will say you, you're spot on that the fact that season three is all about this AI system that can that basically has taken in everyone's data and can functionally predict what they're going to do so that employers can be like, well, no, you're just too high risk for us. We're not going to hire you like that. Is, yep. It is a very believable dystopia um, just based on everything in our world. I think where it is failing for me is exactly the areas where it's succeeding for you and that I don't find any of the characters compelling this season really? i don't understand i mean like i understand on a literal level like why dolores's narrative is happening but most of the other characters i don't understand what they're doing and what they want um and the characters that i've gotten attached to over season one and a bit through season two are barely in it at all yes. like the man in black um mave the parts that she's in enjoy she's not been in it very much <laughs> which is sad um and yeah it, it just and it and i have a, still a huge problem with the quality of the dialogue like there's this scene in the last week's episode where jesse aaron aaron paul aaron paul's mm-hmm. character caleb so many names <laughs> aaron paul's character takes this drug called genres or genre and he is basically experiencing different genres of film while they're in the middle of this car chase 
And it's great. It's a great conceit, except that the quality they're they're like showing his experience it, for him it's like black and white and he's talking like this and there's this exciting music playing because he's in a an action genre except the for us the viewer the quality of the dialogue is zero percent different because it was already so artificial and stilted um and people say dramatic things that are vague for no reason and it just i don't know i'm not enjoying it as much oh that episode sucked, I thought. Yeah. But I, um, I think it's well said. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, um, uh Simone. Like I'm just I just can't connect with it as much this season. And I think my problem, to be honest, which is a little bit different, is that I really enjoyed the miniseries Devs on on Hulu, which is different, but it's also kind of a, you know, a post-apocalyptic kind of, you know, sci-fi kind of, you know, techno, you know, thriller. And um, uh, you know, Nick Offerman is in it and it's, it's really, really good. And I really, really enjoyed Allison Pill. Like I really, really enjoyed devs. I really, really enjoyed devs. And I thought that that was like a really great mini series. And I thought that it succeeded in was like what it was trying to accomplish, which some of the thematically are similar to some of the things that Westworld is doing. Um, they do it in a different way. I think that the devs has been more successful. And so if I'm like having to pick, I think there was a tweet that's, that I saw somebody uh, say that it was like, you know, like there can only be one, you know, these types of shows and like devs is it. And I'm I've got to agree, like I'm team devs for at least this season, um, at least where, you know, because, uh, yeah, because the Westworld finale is, um, is is coming up. Right. Like, I think we're we're getting close. So um, I I definitely got a lot more out of devs. A uh, completely different show than I did out of Westworld this season. But I mean, don't you think? Uh, so there's, there's so much. Like someone, you can appreciate this as someone that does video editing. There is so much I, style in how this show is edited together. Like, look at how they every single week bring in the what happened last week. It starts with like twenty minutes, I uh, twenty seconds of just this terrorizing music over images over what happened last week with no voiceovers at all and that's just a small detail of what they do but it's a punch in the face every time you see it and the music is just dead on to evoke dread and wonder and you've got these 10 out of 10 actors i cannot think of any show today that's a drama that's acted as well as Westworld. I mean, don't you appreciate it just for the artistry? I mean, I'm not it's, enjoying it's Aaron Paul's performance at all. Oh, no, me okay, either. Fair, fair, me either. Fair. Yeah, I, I think everyone who has been on this show is a stellar actor, and I will say that for sure. Like, uh, what's her name? Evan Rachel Wood, who plays Dolores, yeah. has always done an incredible job. She's always job. been fantastic. Um, and I, I sure wish that we could see. The man in black some work, so I was appreciated his acting. It was great. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that it's it's really good. I don't know artistically. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't. I I it's subjective, but I don't. I don't feel it as much. I mean, I think it's a very well done show. I think it's a very high quality thing. I just I don't know for whatever reason, um, it's just not doing it for me. It's interesting. There've been a lot of think pieces like the Washington Post had a had a, something up the other day about. Um, both Westworld and devs and kind of like the, the the timing of these things and how it can be kind of difficult to watch in these times and how it feels weird. And it's true because these things were, you know, these plot points and these things we're considering now were conceived in a pre 
coronavirus time. And it's, I, you know, you can't help but think like, how much further are we going to get towards these types of dystopian realities when when things start to recover? Or do we have an opportunity, you know, maybe to to switch the narrative some, which mm. uh, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. that maybe that's probably too optimistic, but but it does make you wonder, like, but also things are so different now. Like, just just what we've just experienced, like, has an impact on on how so many things are going to change. It's, it's interesting to think about um, the, the, you know, the, the timing of the stuff of these shows, like, the, se- the season of Westworld was conceived in, like, 2018, and, you know, people yeah, are consuming it in a very different way. <laughs> oh, it's very prescient, but not only that, but, like, it's prescient in a way where, like, people are consuming it and are thinking about it in a completely different context than what the creators had had, had planned for. Yeah, that's true. Well, that is our show this week. Hey, wait, dessert. No, what are we up to? Hey, what are we up to? <laughs> Brianna, what are you up to? Oh, my God. Uh, besides getting into epic fights with the Libertarian Party uh, official Twitter account. Uh, let's see. Just just doing my own thing. Just trying to stay sane oh, in boy. coronavirus. Christina, what about you? Uh, well, um, as I record this, it is uh, my eighth uh, wedding anniversary and uh, completely, completely different uh, world than you know, where I was eight years ago, I was in New York and it was sunny and uh, <laughs> it's like I'm now in Seattle and it's raining and we're in all this stuff. And so that's kind of cool. And yeah, I'm just um, we have um, a build will be Microsoft build will be taking place online now, uh, uh, May oh. 19th uh, through the, the, the 23rd, I think. And I'm like heads down doing yeah. a bunch of stuff. Uh, to to get prepared for well, that. Well, Christina, that's what you get for traveling all last spring. <laughs> <laughs> We're on lockdown now. <laughs> oh my god! Um, oh. Uh, what am I doing? I'm working from home. <laughs> How's actually, that going? It, it's actually going well. I capped a bunch of footage today for a video I'm doing on interior design and Animal Crossing, uh, which has just been a total. It's I'm so happy with it because it's an idea, a rare idea that I didn't overthink. And it's just going so well. It's just very simple design tips that you can apply to Animal Crossing. And there is a list of them. And I'm capturing footage that corresponds with exactly what I'm saying because it's Animal Crossing. Um, And it's just so nice to work on. And like, you know, it's it's like a. It's a video that I can make that's about something that I really, really love, but I don't have to be thinking. I don't have to be, like, problem solving while I'm making it. I'm still thinking, but I'm not, like, it's just, it's nice. It's a nice, smooth project. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Brianna, where can we find you online? (laughs) You can find me on Brianna Wu on Twitter. Wow. Uh, Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girls on the Twitters and the Instagrams, although I have not been using Instagram. Um, and I will have another um, video up um, this week at um, youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Doom Quasar, where I lead the bread gang now. Rise up. Um, and you can find this show on Apple Podcast. Oh, youtube.com slash polygon is where videos live. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and many other podcast platforms, but you can review it specifically on Apple Podcasts. That's something that is super, super helpful to us, especially in this 
time of strangeness. You might notice we didn't have any ads on this week's show. That's because it's very, uh, every business is impacted by this. So please, if you did enjoy this episode and previous episodes, take this chance to leave a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts if you haven't, because that just helps raise the profile of the show. Um, and we'll we're we're here we're we're in it so <laughs> we'll keep making shows for you and i appreciate everyone who has left reviews that's great of you hey yeah this episode of rocket is terminated <laughs> terminated terminated <laughs>